Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of College Hockey Talk. I'm your host, Matthew. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. And on today's podcast, I had the privilege of interviewing freshman from the UNH hockey team, Robert Cronin. Um, In this episode, we talk about many things, including his first year with UNH, his experience in the USHL, and growing up in Plymouth, Massachusetts. However, before we get to today's interview, I'd just like to ask if you can please follow our social media accounts, whether it's on Instagram or Twitter, at College Hockey Talk. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can watch this interview, and subscribe to our Apple Podcast page and leave a rating and review, and follow our Spotify account as well. Doing these things helps our podcast grow, helps new people find us, and I really appreciate it if you did those things. It means a lot to me. Now, without further ado, here's today's episode with Robert. I hope you guys enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of College Hockey Talk. On today's podcast, I'm joined by freshman from the UNH hockey team, Robert Cronin. Uh, Robert, thank you so much for coming on. How's everything going? Yeah, thanks for having me. Everything's going great. Uh, starting to get uh, the second half going, so I'm uh, just happy to join the podcast. Thanks for having me. No problem. And obviously, the first half of the season um, is over for you. So I guess my first question is, um, how would you evaluate the first half of the season? And I guess, how would you kind of go over your team's performance as of now? Yeah, the first half was awesome. It was definitely a big jump coming from uh, juniors to college, especially uh, uh, that adjustment just with how old, much older kids are. But it was an awesome experience. My first half, like playing the first home games uh, at the wit and in front of all the fans was an awesome experience. And one big reason why I came to UNH and got to see it true. So it was awesome to play in front of those fans and just playing hockey East has been great. I mean, it's been a, my dream my whole life to play for uh, in hockey East. And so going to like BU and all these Northeastern and all these uh, cool rinks and around that I've been going to my entire life. So it's been pretty cool. And uh, we had a, we had a good start and then uh, a definitely a, a little tough stretch uh, for a bit where we lost some uh, road games, but we found our way. I mean, scoring's definitely been, a tough, uh, tough thing to come by for our team. But um, lately we've been starting to get the ball rolling, which is nice, which we want to see for the second half. But, I mean, our defense and goaltending has been there, but just need to start scoring more. So uh, we're looking to get that going as we get rolling in the second half. Yeah, and did you watch, like, hockey East growing up? I'm just curious because I was the I was a kid that every Friday night and Saturday night in Nesson, I was watching hockey East. Like, that was one of my – that's why I got into college hockey, just because – like it was just fun watching those games and going to those games as well. So I don't know if you had that experience as well, because I know you're a mass kid. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I went to all the college hockey games, like especially when I was younger, I was a huge BC fan myself. Like Johnny Goudreau was uh, the one guy I would always go watch and going to those games. It was great. And seeing the fans there, it was just like just such a big fan of college hockey, especially hockey. So going to the BC games and Northeastern games, because, uh, like during my 18 uh, U advantage year, my one of my teammates, Cam Goddard, his older brothers, Adam Goddard. So when he was on Northeastern that Hobie Baker season, uh, we got to go to all those those games and with him. And it was pretty cool watching him light it up and watch Northeastern, the success they had. So definitely made me fall in love with uh, like hockey East even more and watching the fan base and how great the competition is. So it's definitely a big part of the reason why I wanted to come to UNH. Oh, yeah. No, I, I was a big Jack Eichel guy. So I don't know yeah, if yeah. Since you're a BC fan. I don't know if you um, were a big fan of his or not, but I was a big Jack Eichel guy. And I also love Makar, too. He was fun to watch um, when he played for UMass. Yeah, Makar, watching Makar, it's crazy how much he dominated college hockey. And how oh, yeah. he dominated the NHL now. So, I mean, people were, saw it, a glimpse of it at UMass of how good he was going to be. And yeah, Jack Eichel, I mean, you look at him, just a freshman, 18-year-old coming in, like, I came in as a, a 21-year-old, and I couldn't even imagine coming in as a true freshman and dominating and having the season he had. So just goes to show you the type of player he is and how special he has been. Yeah, no, in my opinion, I think he's the greatest college hockey player of all time. I know people will disagree with me on that, probably because, like, there's guys who have came before my generation that have played better than him, I assume. But I, from what I've seen from my just time being on this planet, he's the best guy I've ever seen play college hockey. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. Like, it's highlight reel. It was just something you can watch over and over again on YouTube. I mean, another – like my old uh, – my trainer, he loves uh, Paul Correa. He's another yeah. guy who's dominated college hockey and uh, lit up. But, yeah, Jack Eichel, I mean, to have the year he had, like win the Hobie Baker, the Bean Pot, the Hockey's Championship. I mean, can't become a goal shy in the college cha- uh, national championship to Providence off that fluke goal was pretty tough. But, yeah, he, he did everything that freshman season that you could imagine. 
The only reason why Inko won was because Connor McDavid was there. So, yeah, no, I always thought Eichel was better than McDavid because I never watched McDavid play live. So I just assumed that Eichel was always going to be the best prospect. But then, like, once I've seen McDavid, I was like, all right, I, I see why yeah. people like this guy better than Eichel. But um, originally, I did like, I thought Eichel was better than McDavid. But I think most people probably felt that way who lived here in the East Coast. Yeah, absolutely. Like, Eichel's a big, uh, big fan around here, especially everyone was wanting him to come to Boston instead of go to Vegas. But, oh, but yeah. you know, like him and McDavid, it's just, it's unbelievable. Like they're generational talents. And, you know, you see how fast McDavid can play and make plays around the ice at that speed. It's just, it's awesome. So hopefully Eichel can get back and uh, get healthy so we can watch him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. More. I think he's starting to skate with Vegas, so that's a good sign. And, yeah, no, it's kind of disappointing how Buffalo handed, handled his injury. They should have handled it better, but um, at least he's with Vegas now, and that's going to be the team of the West, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you look at how good they are right now uh, without Jack Eichel, and then you throw him as uh, their top center, and they're going to – I think, like you said, like I think it's them in Colorado, honestly, and I think they have Colorado's edge right now with uh, how deep they are, especially with goaltending and on the back end. So it'll be, it'll be cool how the season unfolds. Oh, yeah, definitely. And just to talking about that 2015 draft class, not just those two guys, but you just look at, like, who was picked, like, in the first and second rounds. It's pretty unbelievable. And it, just to think about, if Austin Matthews was born, like, three months earlier, he would have been part of that draft class. So imagine McDavid, Eichel, and Matthews being the top three picks. That would have been insane. Oh, that would have been crazy, right? Imagine that third team getting him. But, oh, no, like, imagine Matthews in that draft class would have been crazy. But I just remember that draft class, especially, like, being a Bruins fan and, Mm-hmm. Like three picks they had, uh, they could they got Sension in, or that's how you pronounce it, uh, Zaboral yeah. and Rusk. And they the next three picks after were uh, like Kyle Connor, Thomas Shabbat, and uh, Barzell. Barzell, that's right, yeah. And then uh, later on was like Eric Sinek and Aho and Kaprizov mm-hmm. and Konechny. So it's just like, oh, Bruins missed out on that one big time. But oh, no, yeah, that, draft, that draft class is crazy. And like you look at the redraft, it's, it's the best draft class of all time, in my, my opinion, honestly. Yeah, no. Um, the yeah, the Bruins botched that one pretty badly. I was, um, yeah, no. That that they I, they probably cost themselves a cup actually because of it. Because if they had just Barzell or Shabbat on that 2019 team, I bet you they beat the Blues. Um, oh yeah. If I had to be honest with you. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Yeah, I mean they definitely could have used one uh, him or at least maybe two more or three more of those guys. And mm-hmm. Bruins could be a completely different team now, but you know everything happens for a reason. So. I guess so. Well, now kind of jumping back to your um, career with UNH. Uh, so I guess what have you taken, what have you learned from your freshman year so far um, playing in hockey East and um, playing some of the non-conference teams you've played so far? Yeah. Uh, I learned uh, college hockey is just, it's a lot phys- more physical, a lot stronger. I mean, uh, you have a lot more older kids, like the age group is like seniors to freshmen. So you have basically oh threes to like 97s out there this year. So it's a lot older and a lot stronger uh, between the age gap, but, it's been awesome learning how to, you know, play in front, play, handle pressure, honestly, is one thing I could say is, uh, like, playing in front of these fans and playing in away games, you know, you can't you get a little nervous and, you know, you got to play well every night. So, and, uh, and like, you, no no game is, is going to be easy. I mean, every night any, anybody can beat anybody. And so uh, you got to prepare really well for every game. So just playing uh, in hockey East has honestly helped me learn to, like, not take any – any shift or any game uh, for granted and uh, honestly go out there every game and play as well as you can because uh, you're going to need to because especially how good these kids are. Now what's been like the biggest improvement you've made to your game just playing college hockey this year? Uh, I definitely think the, my details uh, all over the ice especially like in the within the systems of like fork checking and uh, in the D zone especially my D zone game I think of my coaches have really emphasized that and uh, little details that like a lot of people take notice that uh really will help you make the game easier and like not cheating the game uh, is one thing, you know, like you play the game right and it will reward you. And, uh, you know, just playing with strength too, like playing uh, to my strength and playing, uh, you, protecting the puck well, I think is another thing. Well, as kids are really physical now and it's all about like protecting the puck and possession and what you can do with it when you can, uh, can hold on to it as well. So I think those are some few things I've learned, but it's been an awesome experience. And just talk about the adjustments you've had to make as well, being a freshman, um, obviously playing with older guys. Is it kind of like the mental side, just making those decisions with the puck, or is it kind of just the speed of the game in general? Uh, I definitely think the speed's uh, right there, honestly, with uh, the USHL just from last year. I definitely think uh, maybe a little bit faster just because people are older. But, no, yeah, it's, it's definitely a good adjustment, especially uh, when i coming in and getting some playing time right away. You know, you want to you want that right away. You want to 
be able to come in and have uh, the opportunity to have success and help out the team win. So it's it's been great, and honestly, it helps uh, helps my mental side where it's like you got to come in and you basically get comfortable, more and more comfortable uh, as a freshman at such a young age. So uh, like the next throughout the next couple of years will basically be like uh, second and none to me. Everything within like the culture and our systems and. Also, just playing uh, hockey East and playing with other guys, we're developing a lot of chemistry now, so it's uh, it's been great. Now you got your first collegiate goal against Union this year, first game. Um, how did that feel to get that goal off your chest? And I guess who'd you call first after that was scored? Yeah, that game uh, that, that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was our first game uh, at home against Union, so it was a pretty packed crowd. Like the student section was basically sold out, and uh, got it on the power play. It was a great feud from uh, Jackson Pearson to make it one-one and. Yeah, it was pretty special. I had my family, like my mom and dad and my brother and a good uh, friend of ours was in attendance. So it was pretty special for them to be there and see me get my first goal in my first game. So it was really special. And uh, yeah, the first person I called, I think called a couple of my buddies after because they were all pretty pumped for me. So I just gave them a call and said congrats. But besides that, a couple of family members. But no, yeah, it was, it was really special to get that on that night and to get the fish thrown on the ice for the first one of the UNH season. Yeah, it's pretty cool, and you do. That's also nice that you didn't have to do too many phone calls, just because your whole family was there to see it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it was it was great for the, them to experience it firsthand rather than watching it over a screen. But yeah, absolutely. Now, what's your thoughts on the whole fish tradition? Just because I I don't know, were you aware of it um, before you went to UNH? Just because first, like I just every time I see it, it just I find it kind of I guess odd. Um, I think it's kind of a cool tradition, but I do find it kind of weird. Um, not gonna lie. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a pretty cool tradition, honestly. Like you just, I remember seeing it when I toured here on the my first game, and just watching YouTube videos about it. Just the tradition. I forget really, really some, uh, the real reason why they do it, but uh, yeah, the the fish is it's something pretty. They just throw on the ice every time you score the first goal of the game, and you know the guy goes out there in the yellow fisherman gear and shows it up to the fans and the student section. They all go crazy. So. I mean, it's pretty cool when that happens, but uh, I'm not really 100% sure why they do it. But, you know, yeah, I like the, the fish and the throwing of the fish, so I don't mind it. Now, was an adjustment playing at WIT just because the ice surface is so much bigger than, like, um, normal ice surfaces in the USHL? Yeah, honestly, yeah, definitely uh, definitely a little bit of a adjustment there. Um, I know Waterloo was in an Olympic size, so when we'd play there, it was definitely a lot of fun, and especially having the uh, more – like the bigger zones, so you have a lot more room and a lot more space with the puck. So that was definitely, uh, I think, a reason why I wanted to come to UNH, just play on the big sheet and, you know, being able to create and have, make all these plays on the big ice would be a lot of fun. And I think, honestly, we'll play to our advantage sometimes because, like, teams that will come in from uh, an NHL-sized rank will have to, you know, they'll, they'll struggle sometimes with dealing with the bigger ice and, you know, with, especially with, like, conditioning or just the way the systems are because uh, it can't really play – some systems to uh, the way the rink is just because how big it is but no yeah it's uh it's awesome a bit of adjustment definitely playing for that rink but uh it's been awesome ever since yeah it's an adjustment for your team to go to the nhl size rinks on the road or not really since you're kind of used to playing it so it kind of is more of an advantage for your team than for others yeah absolutely yeah going on the road too is definitely uh some especially our second weekend was uh arizona state and uh their rank they're playing at now is still like the town uh, municipal rink uh, not their big, nice facility yet. So that rank is smaller than NHL. So we go from playing on the wet all summer and scrimming <laughs> there to playing our first road game on that ice. So it was pretty tough, tough adjustment. That's uh, one reason why I think we had a big, uh, a tough weekend there. But uh, yeah, no, it's been, it hasn't been too bad. And we'll, we'll go practice uh, a town over at the NHL rink there uh, sometimes when we need to get ready to adjust to that ice. But it's it's been pretty fine so far. Yeah. No, Arizona State, like, that's probably a cool road trip, though, nonetheless. Like, going, going like, kind of – it's kind of like a vacation in a little bit just because it's such a nice area. Yeah, absolutely. You go down there, and it's like, I can't believe, like, they play hockey down here. You go, <laughs> go to the rink wearing flip-flops. It's pretty cool, yeah. But, you know, our coach stressed, like, treat like a business trip. Like, we're here to, to win two games. So, we definitely were dialed in for that. But, oh, yeah, it's an awesome area to play hockey. And wouldn't uh, – it just – the weather is amazing there. So you get that all, pretty much all year round. So it's pretty cool. And they got them, uh, pretty awesome jerseys. So oh, yeah. we want to give them credit to that. 
Yeah, no, I'm trying to think. I, I think that new rink's coming next year, which should be exciting because I heard the visiting locker room at the ASU rink is the worst one in entire college hockey. I'm assuming, yeah. but I don't know if you agree with that. Uh, yeah, we were in the the club hockey room, so it wasn't it wasn't too too bad, but definitely uh, like tight quarters with like the equipment uh, room and all the uh, medical room too. But yeah, no, it wasn't uh, wasn't too bad. But yeah, they're supposed to get I think get that new rink next year, and uh, I have a buddy who plays a couple buddies who play there, so they're excited about that. And oh, yeah. get that new rink, I mean, uh, it'll be a, it'll be a pretty hot spot in college hockey, I think. Oh, yeah, for sure. And they're going to get some good non-conference games coming to ASU as well, um, which is something I think that's going to help grow the game even more because you kind of hope to see more schools out towards the West Coast get college hockey teams because you just want the sport to expand. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you want to get more uh, West teams. Like Pac-12 would be pretty cool if those teams start uh, getting some college hockey teams or even like down south, maybe some SEC teams because they have a great football fan base. So yeah. anyway, you grow the game, is it's awesome. Now, talk about what it's like playing with Pearson, just because he's the guy who feeded you your first goal, but the dude's an absolute stud, and I feel like no one talks about him enough. No, yeah, he. I remember, uh, like, going in, my coach was telling me all about, uh, like, you're going to be, I think you're going to be playing with Pearson to start the year and all that, so, I mean, I, uh, I know why, who's he, like, he's a great player, but, yeah, Pearson's awesome, I mean, he he's a great player, like I said, and uh, he's a great skater, too, he's got a great mind for the game on all three zones, and He's a good center, too, so he's good uh, in the D zone, too, and he can make plays with his feet, and he's got a great shot, and his playmaking ability is uh, second to none. So playing, playing with him is, is awesome. He makes the game easier, and, you know, it's been, uh, it's been great playing with him. And, yeah, he's been a, he's been a stud. Uh, he's been Mr. Clutch for us. He's had, uh, like, four or five game-winning goals and always gets us going. So, yeah, it's been great playing with him. And he's a pretty underrated player, especially being a 99 and, going in as a true freshman. So he's kind of been looked over, over like the draft picks and all the, the big names. But I think he's a, he's a great player and will have a long career ahead of him. Now, one of the biggest wins that your team had this year was when you beat number eight Providence at the Wit. Just how important was that win to one, get your first conference win, but also beat Providence just because they kind of dominated your team the weekend before you played them um, in that game? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Providence, they're, they're a great team. I mean, they're, they're one of the best organizations, I think, in college hockey, uh, especially with uh, what Nate Lehman, what they've been doing down there since they've won a national championship. They play uh, really hard and they play really structured in the D zone and they, and they don't make mistakes and they're not really going to beat themselves. So you got you to gotta play well against them and they're really good in the D zone. So it was uh, tough to score uh, definitely those weekends against them, but we kind of held them in, uh, held our D zone really well that third game and uh, managed to get it to OT and while uh, Pearson like I said came up clutch again Mr. Clutch for us so that was a really big win uh, to split with Providence they were a top 15 I think uh, team at the time and number one in hockey so they're uh, they're definitely a team that will be in the tourney and it was a big win for us and to get the ball rolling and get our first conference win so we were all happy about that and especially to get it against Providence so now you also beat Harvard this year as well on the road. Just talk about how important that one was to get your first road win, but also to be a team like Harvard, because um, that was probably the best defensive game I've seen from a college hockey team play this year, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. I mean, we were, we really take pride in our defensive game. As you mean, you look, we don't, we don't really give up a lot of goals. Um, our goal, that's to our, our defensive side of the puck. We've got our defense him and, our defensemen are really solid and our goaltending is really solid with Mike Robinson and David Fezenden. So, uh, but yeah, but that game was, was awesome. I mean, Harvard, they've got some studs over there. They're like uh, Coronado and Farrell. They've got some really big name guys up front and, you know, they've been putting on a lot of, a lot of goals lately. So we were uh, made sure one thing to come in is we had a good system to kind of shut them down and make sure you keep them to the outside and not let them generate any, uh, any sort of their scoring plays they can create in the ozone and, yeah, it was a great game. I mean, our goalies played great, and, you know, he, he had to make some big saves for us and bail us out sometimes. But I think our D zone and our, our penalty killing really uh, bailed us out that game. And then, like I said, Pearson again, uh, breakaway goal in the third. We uh, managed to win one nothing. So that was uh, that was definitely a huge road win. And uh, to beat Harvard, like another top uh, 20 team, and a team I could see going pretty far this year. So it was it was pretty sweet to get that win. And how do you how did you prepare for that team like defensively because they have like you said a lot of offensive weapons they have Coronado obviously they have Farrell but then they also have Laferriere who I think is another good offensive player for that team how do you like prepare yeah. uh, for guys like that especially since their power play once if you throw those three guys out 
in the power play, it's, that's a pretty good power play. Just that's a good first unit. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Their first unit sack, you know, like it's 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 crazy. It's almost like like an all-star team, pretty much. But no, yeah. I mean, we our penalty kill is, uh, I think, one of the best in the country, and uh, we really wanted to stay disciplined and limit our penalties against playing them. And and when we did take them, we were gonna trust our kill and trust our systems to, you know, kill our penalties. And especially D zone, we really wanted to stay structured, uh, like really basically crowd them um, in the uh, in their O zone, like our D zone, so they didn't have a lot of time and space to make make and create plays and make, to, like I said, push them off the, the perimeter more so they couldn't uh, attack in the middle. But, I mean, besides that, uh, yeah, we kind of we, – we bear down really well, blocked some shots, and I think our goalie played amazing. So it was a great one nothing win. And, uh, you know, it's it was a fun game to play and, like, the gritty one nothing wins where uh, you got to battle for everything. So it was a, it was a big win. Now, one thing I want to ask about that win is obviously that win against Harvard was one of your only road wins you've had this season. Uh, so what are some things you feel like your team needs to do to have more success on the road uh, just because the record not, might not be where it's at currently? Yeah, I think we just have to uh, – honestly, I think it's more about getting a better start and uh, just getting a better jump, um, especially on the road. You know, it's only like an hour. I mean, not not too long um, – down the road when we uh, play our road games. So, I mean, it's been tough, especially when you go in uh, to these cool environments. Uh, they have good fans and it's it's hostile environment when you go to like BU and Northeastern. So, and th- those are really great teams who uh, take pride playing uh, at home and they're tough road games to win. So you got to prepare well, but uh, I think just getting a jump off the start is uh, the best part because you can get uh kind of get them on their heels and, you know, get a good jump and kind of hopefully, uh, pull it out to win the rest of the way. But uh, besides that, I mean, it would be pretty cool to like go up to Maine and uh, yeah, the road wins are, they're tough to come by, but you know, like our coach says a lot, if you want to be a good team in in college hockey, you can't, uh, you got to sweep weekends, but you also can lose weekends. So uh, if any way we can find a way to win on the road or eventually back at the way to find a way to split or sweep, uh, we'll do whatever it takes. Yeah, and obviously looking at the second half of your schedule, you have some road games coming up. Uh, you play BC, but then you also have games against UConn on the road, so some tough hockey opponents. So are those games you're kind of looking at and trying to change that with regarding the road games, I guess? Yeah, absolutely, especially uh, going into BC. You know, they're they're a good opponent, especially uh, they're a top hockey East opponent. And we want to start, uh, like we said, we want to start generating more offense because uh, we really think our D zone and our goaltending our penalty kill side of the uh, puck is is great, but uh, yeah, we just gotta just start getting on teams early and start scoring more and getting more secondary scoring and really putting teams away because uh, I think if we can score three or four goals every game, we're gonna win a we're gonna win a lot of hockey games. So I think, especially going into BC and UConn, two top uh, hockey East teams will be uh, will be definitely tough road games, but hopefully we can uh, turn the tide and get the ball rolling with a couple wins. Now talk about your freshman class. Um, how have you guys gotten to know each other um, so far this year? Just because I feel like there's guys from different areas of the country, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah, no, it's been awesome. Uh, we came over in the summertime for a month, and we all stayed together in uh, the freshman uh, dorm that we're in now. Uh, like Alex Gagney's from New Hampshire. Liam Devlin's from Mass. So was Connor Sweeney. And then uh, Will Margell is from Maryland. Colton Hewitt's from California. So, And they're all from different teams and different backgrounds. So it's been uh, it's been cool for – to meet them and be acquainted with all of them. They're awesome guys. And I love the freshman class and really happy to spend the next four years with them. And, you know, we've gotten to know each other and we're in a little bit uh, all together next year. So it's, uh, it's, it's been an awesome and time and spending uh, the next four years with them is going to be great. Yeah. And um, do only, so all the freshmen have to go to UNH for the summer for the month is it, or just like a freshman thing, or is it like a whole team thing? I'm curious. Oh, I think last year, the summer before they didn't because of COVID, but last year uh, we went for, I think, just a month just so we could get used to the school so it wasn't too big of a jump coming in uh, right yeah. away with, like, all the students coming back. So we just went for a month, but I think what they usually do is they'll have uh, the whole team come uh, for two weeks, and then you'll just, like, work out, skate uh, for two weeks, and you'll just head home. Um, but, yeah, we uh, we spent the month here uh, with a few kids spent the whole month with us, and then uh, – Bits and pieces, like a few kids uh, here and there came in uh, each week. Uh, so we got to meet pretty much every kid on the team before we got to school, which was great. And get acquainted with all of them. So it was definitely, definitely a good experience coming in the summer. That's awesome. And obviously being in the dorm rooms, how's that experience like? Um, yeah. Are you excited to get out of there once you're a sophomore? 
Yeah, no, it's nice. Yeah, uh, I, I don't mind the dorms. It's nice, like, living so close to the guys upstairs, and the dorms are pretty uh, pretty fun. But, no, yeah, I'm looking forward to get out just, I think, because uh, my bed's pretty small. It's not, the, it's not the comfiest either. So looking forward to getting my own room and a nice queen bed to really sprawl out on when I get some sleep. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's definitely important. After after scoring some of the goals you've scored this year, you need some good <laughs> night's sleep. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> now, I kind of want to transition and talk about the beginning of your hockey career and kind of work all the way up to where you are now with UNH. So you're from Plymouth, Mass. Uh, just talk about growing up there. How did you start playing hockey? And um, is The Rock worth the hype as well? I have to ask that. Yeah, right. Yeah, The Rock is uh, – it's, no, it's not worth the hype. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's definitely – but it, people come all over to see it. You know, this big <laughs> – 20 planted in the rock but no yeah but Plymouth so I came in from a uh, grew up in Plymouth started uh skating when I was I think it was like two years old three years old my dad uh had me on skates me and my brother so we started playing youth hockey there and uh and then eventually uh Jamie Sullivan who's one of my best friends dad he's coaching uh the Boston Bandits and he uh asked me to come play for him they're in the the EHF with like the Terriers and the Eagles and the Kings and all them so we I uh, started playing for them, and honestly, I think it was the best decision of my life leaving like youth hockey to go to play for him because uh, he played at Merrimack, and the other coach, Rich Alger, whose son uh, plays at UMass now, and he played at B, uh, BU. So, just uh, from such a young age, learning from these two great coaches, I really think they uh, made me fall in love for the game so much. And after that, I went over to uh, the Boston Advantage for my second year U16 and first year U18 and played there for Rob Hemberg and Eric Healy, and it was awesome. Uh, Tim Lovell runs it over there. His son plays at Arizona State, and he's, uh, he's good buddies of mine. And they're, uh, they run an awesome organization there, especially with, uh, with a skating program. So it was, it was great to go there and get some uh, other exposure and take my, my game to another level. And then after that, I wanted to, you know, get a new uh, – basically new – new scenery so I wanted to go prep school to try the prep school route so reached out to a few prep schools and uh the gunnery and Craig Badger they reached back and they were like yeah like we've seen him play and we'd love to have him out for visits so uh, I went out to visit uh, the gunnery and uh watched the game there and it was it was a great campus and loved uh loved the coaching staff so I really wanted to, to go out and play for them so I went out there for my uh, my PG year after I graduated from Plymouth North and uh, I played split season for Yale which was uh which was an awesome experience we uh, went to the national semifinal the in the spring after um and that team was awesome like LaFerriere was on that team we had guys like Posma and Capone so it, it was an awesome team and it was a it was a really cool experience and the gunnery was awesome playing in, uh for them uh was, was was awesome like prep school hockey was everything I could have asked for the the fan sections and it was it was amazing. It honestly just got me so excited to play college hockey because uh, just even more hype around it. But mm-hmm. like prep was great and uh, played there was awesome. Like Alex Jeffries was one of my line mates there. And playing with him was awesome. He's at uh, Merrimack, so it was it was great to play with him. And then after the gunnery, I got uh, drafted that summer to Dubuque and went out to Dubuque for the next uh, two years, which was the best, uh, most fun I've had playing hockey. Honestly uh playing in Dubuque it was just the best experience with all the guys and the road trips and playing in uh in front of all those cool fan sections and amazing arenas it was just it, it was awesome it was the best two years of hockey of my life and then I uh committed to UNH my in Gunner uh senior year uh by pre-G year at Gunnery sorry about that uh in February uh so I committed there on senior night which was pretty cool and then uh after Dubuque uh basically came right into UNH and here I am now. So yeah, uh, the whole story of all the teams I've played on and how I've gotten to where I am. Now for Gunnery, did you like go to school there? Or you just played hockey there? Yeah, I went to school. Yeah. So I went to school uh, uh, all year round there. It's just my one year of uh, postgraduate year at Gunnery. So that is it kind of a tough transition going from like Plymouth High to the Gunnery? Because it's kind of two different types of schools if you think about it. Yeah, absolutely. Completely night and day. Like you have a public school with like to 1500 people to a small private school with like a few hundred people but no it was awesome I mean the dorm life was, was great especially living with all the hockey guys and all the, the seniors so it was, it was awesome uh living with them and they made uh made me feel so welcome right from the start and it was just like the camaraderie living in the dorm and all the fun stories we have uh of goofing around in there is was awesome and 
was truly a it was a great experience going playing prep school and would never uh don't change it for nothing I honestly wish I could have gone back for uh, another year but mm-hmm. you know, I was happy for the year I had it was it was awesome yeah that's I'm from like central mass so one of the things I'm a little bit jealous of is in the Boston area is just how good the prep schools are and just kind of that like hockey scene that's out there that's pretty that's one I think that's something I kind of wish I experienced uh, in my career yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the Boston schools, they, uh, they're awesome. Like the prep schools around here, like Fair, and you have St. Sebastian's and all these schools that they have put on guys in, in the NHL and all these college hockey guys. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's great. But especially I wanted to – I want to take my – I think the Founders League for me was uh, where I kind of really uh, thought was, I think, the top league, especially like Avon and Salisbury and I think the like the student sections down there and like the fans I think it was pretty cool to go down and you know veer away from like new uh, Massachusetts area and kind of get a new scenery and branch out to western Connecticut so uh, yeah there's definitely amazing prep schools around here like my uh, my mom and dad uh, both went to my mom went to there like my dad went to Tabor so uh, we're really familiar with the other prep school but uh, yeah I wanted to go out, out west a little bit to Connecticut so I'm happy I did yeah now, who was your favorite player growing up? Was it someone on the Bruins? Was it another NHL or like um, who did you like like watch growing up? Yeah, uh, Patrice Bergeron was my favorite player. Like watching him uh, every every night as a kid was awesome. I mean, I wore number thirty seven growing up because of him, and he's he's been my favorite player. And just watching him and how much success he's had throughout his entire career has been awesome. And I'm a big fan of his and how well he plays the game two hundred feet. And he's just such a true pro and. You know, like he's like the best guy, and everyone says like he's the perfect guy. Like there's nothing wrong with him. So yeah, yeah, like he's my favorite player. I love Patrice Bergeron, and uh, he'll be my favorite player forever. Yeah. Now, um, or do you think this will be his last year in the NHL? Uh, I'm not sure. You know, it's. Uh, I mean, you think so at the beginning of the of, the, of this year. Like, he's not having the greatest start, and then he turns it on and he scores those like hat trick and the four so four goals. But I I don't think so. I think he'll definitely play another few years he's, he's still right there in uh, the top three of the Selkie every year and he's playing he's having over like 70 points every year he's playing and producing well with Marshawn and mm-hmm. and I think the, the biggest part is his leadership like I mean like you look at Char he probably wouldn't uh, wouldn't have been on the team longer if he wasn't such a great captain and uh, I think the Bruins need a guy like him who's been there from early on in his career to really lead them and I think he's the type of guy to bring them back to to the playoffs and for a deep run and you know, I think he's the perfect guy to wear the C in Boston. Yeah, no, I hope he does stay for a few more years just because, you know, um, want the Bruins to do well. And the Bruins are obviously better with Bergeron on the team than without him. Because yeah. he was out, like, they had all those COVID issues in the middle of December. And, like, where they had Marshawn, like, they had pretty much every guy out. I don't know if you had the chance to watch any of these games, but it was yeah. just a completely different team. So he just shows oh, yeah. how important uh, those guys yeah, no, yeah, it was tough watching uh, them play. Like, I definitely, like, when I see them watch, seeing them out, it's like, oh, I want to watch the Bruins tonight because I like watching the, those players so well. Just yeah. Just how they are. But, no, yeah, I really uh, I really like this, like, window the Bruins have had with, like, Bergeron, Pasternak, Marshawn. So I really hope uh, that they can have some more success throughout uh, the end of Bergeron's career because, you know, I think he deserves everything. Yeah. Now, obviously, you played for Dubuque in the USHL. You said you got drafted by the team. How did you, like, what's the draft process like for the USHL? Because I know some guys feel like they, like, didn't even know they were picked. Like, it was just kind of a surprise to them, and then other guys kind of expect it to happen. No, yeah. So, uh, I was just coming up to the draft. uh, I was talking to my advisor, like, a couple teams. uh, The two teams that I personally only talked to were Sioux Falls and Cedar Rapids. So, I thought one of those two teams were going to be um, one of the teams to draft me just because they talked to me first. But my advisor said he talked to pretty much every team. So uh, I, I didn't, honestly had no idea where I was going to go and was just had the phone on and uh, like during class, just like looking at the, uh, the draft. And uh, and then I saw my name pop up for Dubuque. And I was like, oh, I just got, like, got drafted and got a call from Oliver David, who's the head coach uh, there. And he called me, which just like welcomed me. Uh, like I said, he was excited to have me come out to main camp, excited to meet me. And uh, it, it was really cool to get drafted in the USHL because it, was, uh, it was always been a dream of mine to get drafted in the USHL and watching, like, my friends get drafted in, like, phase one, especially uh, I wasn't definitely uh, the player I was back then, but I've come a long way and happy to get drafted by them. And it was – couldn't have uh, been asked to get drafted by a better organization because Dubuque was – it was awesome, an awesome experience, so. 
Now, looking back at your time in the USHL, like what's the best memory you have uh, with Dubuque? Uh, there, there's so many. I mean, we have uh, every year, especially uh, like away from the rink with all the guys, like poker nights are great. But I honestly, if there was one memory I could just like take away with just uh, my second year there, and just uh, just our whole, the whole season in general of how far our team came uh, from the start of the season. We were, we were two and eleven, then two and thirteen, like bottom of the league. Not really uh, had much hope of you know, making the playoffs and keeping Dubuque's uh, 13-year playoff streak running. So uh, we got uh, – we kind of had a big uh, coming coming of age and coming together as a team, and we got some uh, new players, and we managed to turn around and go on a big run in the second half. And uh, I think the best memory was our last weekend. We play, uh, were playing Green Bay uh, two games, and uh, USA was playing uh, – I forget who, I think Chicago or Muskegon. And they had to uh, – I think they had to win both. We had to win both to make it, or uh, they had to at least lose one. And uh, so we had to go in that weekend. Like, the place was packed, and uh, we ended up uh, sweeping Green Bay and, like, killing them, like, 7-3, then 6-1 to really so we, uh, uh, concrete ourselves in the playoffs. And it was it was awesome, you know, to keep that streak going of 13 years running of postseason birds for Dubuque. And, you know, the fans were so pumped and it was just, it was an awesome experience keeping that streak alive. Now, how did uh, the USHL help prepare you for college hockey? Because obviously when you look at the USHL, pretty much rosters are just filled with like D1 commits everywhere. No, yeah, absolutely. I think the USHL is uh, the best junior league uh, in the world, honestly, to prepare you and, the, for my first year there was awesome, and especially last year, my second year, just how, how tough the league was because you have Cedar Rapids and Mes- Madison bow out and uh, all the cancellations and uh, Ivy League and the CHL. So you had kids from all over the world, uh, like especially like in Canada and uh, in college too. Like Sean Farrell and the Ferry Air came back and played, and they, they should have been in college. So the league was definitely, definitely I think, the best it, it honestly could ever been uh, with the, the talent-wise. and. You know, I think uh, it really treats you how to be like a pro. I mean, it's it's you playing games twice a week pretty much. I mean, Friday, Saturday, throwing in a, in a weekday game here and there. But it's practice and, and games. So it's, it's hockey 24-7. I mean, it, it really um, gets you ready for the pro lifestyle. And uh, the kids who play in the USHL, they're, they're so good. And you look where all they're going. They're going to the, the top programs in college hockey. And, uh, and you can play against these kids night in and night out. It will really get you ready to – to play at the, the, the next level. And uh, I think the speed and skill of the USHL is right there with college. Uh, players are, they're just so good in the USHL too. Um, and it really helped me uh, get ready, especially like system wise with uh, learning uh, like the D zone structures and offensive zone structures. So, I mean, it, it was awesome to go there. I definitely could have gone to the, the BCHL my first year and played there and like been a, been a top guy there, but I wanted to really learn, uh, the, the game and uh, like trust the process the, of playing the USHL to really grow my game and I, I wouldn't change anything so I'm so happy to play there the past two years and I think it's the best league in the world. Who are some uh, college hockey guys that you got to play with at Dubuque that are in the college hockey right now I guess? Uh, we had, so we had some pretty cool guys my first year we had, we had a really good team like Reese Gaber was uh, was player of the year our leading goal scorer uh, like broke the record in Dubuque he's he's at North Dakota right now tearing it up and He's one of the best goal scorer, like probably the best goal scorer I've ever seen. So it was amazing watching him play. And we had Eric Portillo too, who's Michigan's goalie right now. And he was just, he's a brick wall. So he, uh, watching him play that first year was just, it was amazing. Like I could see why he's going to be an NHL goalie and why he's the best goalie in college hockey now. Like he won us so many games and the saves he would make and just how poised he is in the net. It was, it was awesome. And, Guys like Copper too, you look at how he's dominating college hockey now. And uh, the Jackson Twins really lit up the USHL that year, too. And like Wyatt Kaiser, is a, he's a really good D-man on our team from our first year. So we had a, we had a really good team our first year. Too bad COVID uh, kind of ruined it for us as we got cut short. But, uh, no, yeah, there were some pretty awesome guys. And then second year, with like Stephen Halliday and Kurth, uh, they're still there now. And they're they're awesome players. They're going to they're gonna be great players for a while. And they're laying it up this year. And, and we also uh, guys come in like Henry Thrun came in from Harvard. He's a he's an outstanding defenseman. Uh, I love playing with him. He's a he was a really good buddy of mine for being from Mass too. And uh, yeah, just watching him play and how poised he is and the way he makes plays. He doesn't make a, a wrong play. So it was awesome playing with him. And then also a kid like Matt Savoy, 
who came over uh, the 04 from Canada. So he's he's a generational player. Like he's, his speed and his shot and talent is, is through the charts. And you could see why he's so good at such a young age. And definitely be a top pick in the NHL draft in the next year. So it was it was awesome playing with these amazing kids. And it was even cooler playing playing against some uh, some of these kids. So uh, it was it was an awesome experience, and um, yeah, definitely some some good buddies of mine, and happy to see they're having success uh, in the college level too. Now, going back to your recruitment process with UNH, what was that like for you? What made you want to go to UNH versus other schools um, you might have looked at? Because I know you said like you've always wanted to play in hockey, so I guess what made UNH stand out versus some other hockey schools you might have looked into? Yeah, uh, UNH was definitely one. I wanted to be close to home. Uh, that was a big thing for so my uh, family and friends could come watch me play. Uh, so. And uh, definitely UNH, when I toured there, I went up there for the, the whiteout the wit game versus Maine. And, you know, just the, the crowd, it was the crowd out the door from uh, the start of warm-ups and sold out uh, by the end of warm-ups. It was, it was an awesome experience. And watching the fan section there and just how cool it is playing in front of uh, – playing at the wit, it was, it was definitely sold. And, and also the coaching staff, uh, Mike Souza and Jeff Giuliano and Glenn Stewart, I, I love them all. And, they were a big reason why I wanted to come to UNH is, you know, they were one of the few teams that uh, believed in me from the start. And I, I greatly owe them uh, a lot of appreciation towards that as they, uh, they were the ones who came out early on and really wanted me. So uh, I got, I owe them a lot of respect uh, to that. And uh, I loved, loved them. I really wanted to come and have a lot of success and play for them here at the Wits uh, at UNH. So I really, uh, it was pretty much sold besides that uh, and close to home playing in front of the Wit and, front of uh, the great fans at a great organization with a, with a story history. So I was really happy to, to commit to UNH. Now, what's it like playing under coach Souza just because he's such a legend for the program? Yeah, no, it, it's, it's great. Yeah. Like he, you look at the, all the success he had here, not only as a, as a player, but as a student. So he takes great pride in like how you do anything and how you do everything. And uh, you know, I just taken pride in, you know, on the ice stuff and off the ice stuff. It's been great playing for him and, he takes a lot. He takes a lot of pride in details, uh, especially with a lot of stuff. So you gotta, you know, you gotta be sharp and you gotta, you know, take everything like a pro and treat everything like a pro. So he, I think he's definitely helped me get ready for the next level, and uh, it's been an awesome experience. And really happy to play for Coach Susan. There's no reason why uh, uh, UNH chose him as the next coach under Coach Humili. He's just a, got such a great storied history, and he's gonna have a lot of success here. So my last, I guess, question before the non-hockey segment is, I guess, what have you taken away from your college hockey experience so far? Uh, just, just take everything for, uh, don't take anything for granted, honestly. It's just, it's been an awesome experience playing in front of the home games and all the road games playing, <clears throat> like I said, at hockey's, all these different venues that I grew up going to. So it's just take everything in. I mean, it's, as uh, all the seniors say, it'll, it'll go by in, a, in an instance. I, I can't even believe the first half's already over. My, uh, my freshman year so you know gonna take everything out of these all four years because uh people say like it's the best four years of your life as a this call playing college hockey so definitely want to soak everything in and make uh, the most out of my time here and uh, with all these guys and you know make some memories and friendships that'll last a lifetime so we're now in a segment i like to call the non-hockey segment where i just ask you some non-hockey questions just to get to know you a little bit more off the ice Perfect. first question to you is uh, what's the most interesting thing you've read or seen this week uh, can't really say. I mean, I did watch the national championship game last night, and that was a pretty interesting game. Uh, but no, yeah, I mean, nothing. I started to get into uh, the new TV show Driver Survive, which is about like the Formula One racing. So yeah. that's probably pretty the most interesting stuff uh, I've seen this week. It's it's pretty cool uh, learning about all the F1 stuff, and just I'm starting to become a big fan of it. So yeah. Yeah, no, that looks super interesting. I've always wanted to drive a Formula One car. I think that looks super fun. Um, I don't know, like, if you need like a particular license for it, but I like, I, I do agree. I think it's a Formula One's pretty cool to watch from what I've seen. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like every Sunday, my brother and I would get up and watch uh, those races together. But yeah, the cars—they just go so fast, and like, crashing one of them could be a nightmare. So yeah, you know, it'd, be, it'd be pretty cool to drive one of those cars. But I definitely need a need a lot of money to do that. So it'd be pretty cool to do it one time. I think New Hampshire has like some race car track that you can just bring any cars and just like race with them. I don't know. I think I was told that that's in, it's somewhere in New Hampshire. So I feel like if I had enough money, I would totally buy an F1 and just like race it around that track. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I think I've, I think I've definitely heard of like a racetrack in New Hampshire. So uh, I will, uh, you and me will definitely, we'll save up some money and we'll, All right. we'll 
cars and go race each other. That sounds fun. Yeah, no, that. Are you a Verstappen guy or a Hamilton guy? I'm a Hamilton guy. I am a Hamilton. I love Lewis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like him and uh, him and Verstappen and Ricardo. I like Daniel Ricardo too. So nice. But, uh, like, well, at the beginning, I like that TV show it makes you like hate Verstappen. So, but then you learn to love him and seeing him win it this year was was pretty cool. So, yeah, yeah. big fan of him. Yeah, and I, th- I think the one thing I love about Formula One is just the ads. Like, it's all for stuff like that no one can afford, like Rolex and stuff. I think that's hysterical. Oh, yeah, it's hilarious. Like, the money in it is just, like, it attracts the wealthy of wealthy, even though it's, like, oh, like, Gucci and, like, Chanel <laughs> and Rolex. It's, like, yeah, like, I'm just going to hear and watch the race on my TV. Like, I can't afford any of that. But, no, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. It's crazy how much, how much money is in it. Now, I guess the most interesting thing I saw, or I guess I shouldn't call it interesting, but I saw that um, Bob Saget passed away. So I thought that was oh, pretty yeah. sad. Oh, yeah, yeah. That but that's sad. like the most newsworthy thing I think I've seen this week. Oh, yeah, right. There hasn't been much, but yeah, seeing Bob Saget was, was definitely sad. I remember watching him on like Full House and, mm-hmm. and a couple of uh, instances in Entourage. So uh, definitely just sad to see him go at such a, such a young age, but he's a legend. So. Yeah, no. I try not to pay attention to the news too much. It's just all depressing stuff with the pandemic now. I just don't oh, yeah. do it anymore. So I, I, so normally, if like a news story comes like out, I usually if it's probably been out for a few days. I just hear about it like a few days later because I don't yeah. watch all that stuff. No, yeah, I'm the same way. I'm not really big into the news. Like uh, I just really focus. I'm a big sports guy, so I'm yeah. in the sports world. Uh, I'll, I'll uh, definitely focus on that newsworthy, but cause don't really, uh, don't really focus on like all the other news, all the oh, pandemic. Yeah stuff so just focus on sports and hockey same same so you and me both i totally agree with you yeah, on that. Love it. now what music do you like to listen to uh I, I like honestly all types you know it's whatever mood i'm in like summertime like beach it I'll, I'll definitely go country and uh you know like trying to get me like before a game i'll listen to some rap and uh some uh like ele- like electric dance music you know get you going so but i, I honestly like all types of music just whatever whatever mood I'm in and uh, I'll kind of play whatever just to get me feeling, feeling good. But yeah, I like all types. Yeah, no, good beaches in Plymouth or you can just go down the Cape. So you're probably, yeah. to, what's the best beach like you've been to? Uh, well, Pl- you know, Plymouth beach is, it's, it's nice, but it's so cold. That's the worst part. So like we're like the town right above Cape Cod. So mm-hmm. we have beaches, but like there's no waves and the water's freezing. And so it's like, you go there and it's, it's fine to go and you know, on a hot summer day and it's great to get some sun, but, uh, you know, if you want to get to some nicer beaches, you want to go go south or in the Cape towards like Wellesley and like Provincetown. Yeah. So there's some nicer beaches down there. No, I saw this story this past summer that there was a fight club at Plymouth Beach. I don't know if you were aware of this. Oh, yeah. I'm not a news guy, but I saw that and I thought that was hysterical. Oh, yeah. I think I remember seeing that like Instagram, a couple of Instagram <laughs> reposts. It's just like, oh, fight club. I like white <laughs> beach. I'm just like, this can't be good. Like this can't be good. Yeah. But, Oh, yeah, like, if you look at, like, Plymouth, there's, like, two beach, like, Whitehorse and Long Beach. So, like, Long Beach, you kind of go for the more relaxing time, where Whitehorse can kind of get, get a little bit more rowdy. So, I don't oh, – yeah. there's one beach that would happen, I'd definitely be Whitehorse. I wouldn't be surprised about That's that. That's what it was. I, yeah, I remember right. them saying that. But, like, it, they broke the rule of Fight Club. You're not supposed to say it. So, it probably went out of hand a little bit. But yeah, right, yeah. the police were there. It was, like, a whole thing. Yeah, exactly. The one rule of Fight Club. So, exactly. I wonder who the snitch was. But, yeah, it's fun. Now, what is your biggest pet peeve? Uh, yeah, this was one I was I was thinking. I, have a, I'm, I don't really have a ton. I mean, maybe one uh, a little bit of a pet peeve, a little annoying to me, eating, like snoring or like chewing with your mouth open. Just something like that where just like if I'm eating, like I don't know, like kind of think it's a little, a little gross. But, but it's, not, it's not the end of the world. But maybe snoring if I'm like with a roommate on the road and you know, can't, get, can't get some sleep and all you can hear is him snoring. It's kind of like, oh my gosh, like I'm never going to get to bed. So yeah, besides that, uh, I think those are the only two. Maybe homework, that's it. But Homeworks. Yeah. Homework, I hate homework. Yeah, right? Can't. So yeah. even in college, I can't stand it. So, But it, right. usually there's ways, I guess, to manage it better in college where you can like yeah. have days where you, like if you get it all done in one night, you don't have to do it for the rest of the week. So that's the one thing I do like about it. Yeah, right. Like, especially me coming to college, I think, like, with uh, more time to do stuff, I think I'd, like, get the homework done more. But still, like, I'm a big procrastinator, so I need to yeah. my time manager with homework. But, no, it's yeah, it's been fine. But definitely a big pet peeve of mine. Who's the who's a big snore on the team, then? Uh, there's a couple. Some of the guys, like Jensen, uh, Nikolai Jensen, uh, his roommate Cam Gendron, uh, will tell me all the time about how Jensen will snore all the time. <laughs> 
I will throw a pillow at him and uh, he'll have to just wake up in the middle of the night. And uh, my roommate uh, will snore here and there, but no, yeah, there's, there's a couple guys, but I don't want to throw too many people under the bus. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to do too many road trips for UNH though. So, but I'm assuming like Arizona state and some of those other ones, like out towards like New York, they had to do some. So. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's, that's the one thing that's nice about like UNH and playing hockey, East, especially at, at UNH is, like, there's no, I mean, besides, like, Maine or Vermont, like, those are, like, three hours, but even then, like, you're in your, you're in your own bed uh, that night, which is nice, and it's a, it's easy travel, and, you know, only a few games uh, this year we've spent uh, the night before, which mm-hmm. isn't too bad, but, yeah, it's only, like, an hour and an hour trips, two hour trips, which is, which is awesome, so you're, you leave a uh, day of and get home to your own bed, so it's nice. Now, if there was a movie made about your life, who would you want to play yourself? Uh, I was thinking, Definitely, uh, maybe either Mark Wahlberg or, uh, or Tom Cruise, just because, you know, I'm, I'm not the tallest guy ever, but, uh, you know, like the brown hair, and mm-hmm. decent, uh, you know, Mark Wahlberg, he's a decent, decent, decent guy, a decent actor, same with Tom Cruise, so, and he's a Boston guy, Mark Wahlberg is, so, yeah, maybe, maybe throw him in there as a, as a guy. Yeah, no, I, I don't think, like, I think for me, it'll be one of the Spider-Mens, like Andrew Garfield. I think he's a good actor. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't look anything like him, but I, th- I would just, it would be cool to have him play me in a movie. Oh, yeah, and right. Yeah. You'd be a Marvel Holland fan, too. What? you be a Marvel fan? Yeah, I do like some of the Marvel movies. I don't follow it as closely as other people do, but I will, like, watch it, like, occasionally if it's, like, on TV. Like, I saw the Spider-Man movie recently. Yeah, me too, yeah. No, yeah, I, lo- I like the Marvel movies, too. I like, uh, my roommate last year from Dubuque was, he's, like, re- like, love, like, religiously loves Marvels. Like, every movie in order, like, cried at Endgame and all that. But Oh, yeah. Uh, I just, I- I'll-, I'll watch, like, here and there some of the Marvel movies, the new ones. Definitely saw the Spider-Man, which was nice. But, yeah, I mean, I like the movies. I'm definitely not, uh, like, the crazy fan over them but yeah um, i would i'm what they call a casual for a marvel movie yeah i'd say i'm right there ones. Too. i wouldn't like watch like i don't know like those like series that they have on like disney plus like yeah no no like the, i haven't seen any like the garden uh gardens of the galaxies or yeah i haven't seen like all the thors but like i've seen iron man because mm-hmm. uh, like all the avenger ones because i think those are the coolest when they're all together so Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, so I feel like either, like Andrew Garfield or Tom Holland, but for Tom Holland, he's like five eight, five nine, and I'm yeah, as tight right. as him. And I feel like people like always say five eight and five nine people are like small. So it'd yeah. be nice to have him like play me in a movie and like prove those yeah. people wrong, I guess. No, right? Yeah, play Tom Holland and throw Zendaya in there as your as your extra. There you go. <laughs> that'll be cool. That'll be cool. So. No, uh, yeah, that'll be that'll be an interesting movie to say the least. Right? Yeah, yeah, that'd be pretty cool. I'd definitely, I definitely uh, go to the movie theaters and get that, see that. But yeah, that'd be pretty interesting. I get Zendaya, Zendaya. <laughs> now, who has the best style on the team besides yourself? I'm curious. You have, you obviously have the best style, but who? Be yeah, like yeah, right. yeah. Besides me, uh, no. Uh, let's say Luke Reed and, and Chase Stevenson. Yeah, they they're the two Canadian to the Canadian kids. They got, they've got some nice style, especially on game days. The uh, reader's got a, uh, he's got some nice suits and Stevenson, uh, he, he's always stressing to impress and uh, he's always got to look good. So yeah, those two definitely got the, the best style of the team. They try hard to like look good for the camera when you, when they walk in the rank. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely like uh, for picture day, you know, Steve, he, he, he loves like getting his hair done and everything, but <laughs> no, yeah, he's a, he, he's a good style guy. He, he's a man rocket too. So it's uh mm-hmm. he fits, he fits the part well. Now, who's the funniest on the team? Uh, there are a couple funny guys. Um, uh, Liam Devlin, he's a, he's a funny character, one of the freshmen on the team. And uh, Eric Esposito, he's another he's another funny guy. He's a great storyteller, great storyteller. Can uh, like doesn't matter what it is, he'll have you hooked. If it's like talking about what he like ate for breakfast, like you'll be sitting there dying laughing or hooked about it. So definitely, uh, those two are those are pretty funny guys. What's like an Esposito story that's like the funniest? I'm curious about it. Oh, uh, good Esposito story. He's got some uh, some funny ones. He just talks about like his family members will just bring up, but like mm-hmm. when they like come to visit and just like uh, all the stupid stuff, like they'll get into a, like around Durham and how he has like his big uh, his big cousin Eddie. He's like the biggest guy like you've ever seen. He's like six eight, two sixty, and he's just like will walk around just people just like chirp him and like just like yeah I got like he'll just basically run his mouth, but knowing that like big Eddie will have his back. But yeah, there's a uh, not many. There's a couple rated R ones that uh, I'll save for another time. But yeah, oh. he's definitely the character of the team. Yeah, you can tell me those after the pod. Yeah, for no right. one else. So, but no, that's uh, 
that's pretty cool no i can't i'm trying to think yeah i can't think of any like i don't know i feel like it's hard to be like the funny guy on the team just because like you don't want to try too hard but you like it's a good way to bond with your teammates though yeah absolutely no yeah just like the the subtle chirps like giving and taking and i think it's the, it's the best part it's just like everyone's getting a laugh and if you can't really laugh at yourself and you know, you can't really make make a big joke about it all. But, no, yeah, I think it's it's awesome. And, you know, we're, we're such a close team and everyone kind of gets along well and we're all joking around. So it's awesome and it's, it's been a lot of fun. Is Devlin the best chirper on the team then since he's the funniest? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Devlin is the best chirper. Yeah, he, he loves it too. Like he'll always talk to me about it. But if you see him, like he'll just he'll like run down to the end of the bench and he'll like rip in uh, – screaming to someone's ear about it about something they just did so he, he's got some good chirps uh definitely get me get me going uh during the game when i hear some of him but yeah he, he he's ruthless and he'll let go so he's definitely the best chirper yeah there was a i was watching a unh game last season and they had no fans at the game so you can kind of like hear a little bit of what yeah, was yeah. and there's this guy i don't know if he's still on the team this year his name was like will verrier and he was just like barking at one of the guys on the team it was pretty funny so yeah. he, he's definitely a chirper if he's still on the team. Yeah, we have uh, – there's Will McKinnon and Ryan Verrier are the two defensemen. So one of them, they're both uh, – I could I could see both of them uh, being the culprit there. Uh, McKinnon could definitely – when he gets pissed off, he, uh, he, he can really uh, get going. But, yeah, they're, yeah. Uh, they're awesome. It's awesome playing for uh, with those two. Do coaches chirp? I'm curious. Or do they kind of stay back from it? Uh, our our coach doesn't really like us chirping. Like uh, if we say something, he'll, he'll like slap you in the back of the head, or give you a nice little kick, and he'll be like, "All right, I'll shut up." But he'll yeah, uh, yeah he doesn't really like the chirping uh, too much. But and uh, especially doesn't like you talking to the ref. But he'll uh, he'll he'll rip the ref a lot. Like he'll uh, like call him by their first name too, which I think is a little little weird. It'll be like, "Hey Joe," like, and I'll be mm-hmm. like, "Joe," and like the ref will come over like their buddies and he'll just start ripping them. So. No, it's it's pretty funny, but no, yeah, our coach isn't a big big fan of the chirping, but he'll do it himself. Yeah, but he probably did. I'm assuming all coaches have chirped in their playing days, so it's kind of funny how it works. Yeah, right. Like that's what me and Devin <laughs> were saying. We're like, we love chirping. It kind of gets us like going. It gets yeah. us it's like part of the game. It gets us into the game. Gets us fired up. So, but no, yeah, it's fine. You just you throw a side of one. You just don't let coach hear. So. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Or do it like when um when you're like before face off. So they yeah, can, right, like right before the play. Then you uh, then you're free, free game there when you're on the ice. Now I guess like who's the quietest on the team since uh, you guys have a lot of chirpers then? Um, there's not many quiet kids on the team, honestly. I mean, this I'd probably say uh, maybe Alex Gagne. He'd probably hate me for saying that, but no, yeah, he's. He's not that quiet, but uh, when he gets in a situation that's a little uncomfortable, he'll kind of go church mouse and just yeah. a little awkward. But, no, yeah, I love Gags, and he, he's he's a great kid. I feel like the goalies are always the quietest on the teams I've played for, at least. I don't know if, if it's the like that in college or not. Yeah, no, yeah. They're, uh, they're, you could say that there's there's some up, but they're not too quiet. No, yeah, like they're both – all three of them are really outgoing, like mm-hmm. Jeremy – big sports guy from Chicago. So we give him, we give him a bunch of crap about uh, the bears and the white Sox and mm-hmm. being from mass and how much success we have and how he hasn't, but no, yeah, they're great. And Robinson and Fez and they're, they're great guys in a couple classes with Fez and uh, me and Robinson are good buddies too. So yeah, no, they're especially you know, like, like you said, uh, the goaltending is when you get uh, people think you're kind of a weirdo if you, <laughs> you're a goalie, but no, yeah, they're all three great guys and I'm happy that they're on the team. Yeah, no, and you have to do – actually, you have to be a good communicator, like, on the ice if, it, if you're a goalie just because of, like, the defensive, like, systems that are in college hockey. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, you hear Robinson screaming when you're, like, going back for a puck, especially, like, uh, when we, like, set up behind the net for a breakout or – Yeah. Uh, draws. But, you know, you'll hear him barking too, so – which is which is cool. Now, if you had to choose one teammate to cook a meal for you, who would you pick? Um, I'd have to say either Philip Angaros or uh, David Fezenden, the goalie. So they're they're the two chefs on the team because uh, Phil Angaros cooks for one of the hockey houses, um, and they say he's the big chef over there, and he's always yeah. telling me about the stuff he's cooking up. So I call him Gordon Ramsay. That's my little nickname for him. And then Fez will send me all of the photos of the food he cooks, and I'm like, oh, let me cook for, uh, let me come over and eat, like cook me a meal and stuff like that. So one mm-hmm. of those two guys would definitely uh be the one i'd choose he should make an ig channel just of like all the stuff he makes and that could yeah, be a right? side hustle after. hockey cooking something like that like open up a little uh, instagram page 
Yeah, no. Probably I don't guys. know if, he, if he's listening, but if he is, um, that's a, just a suggestion I have. That will be a good side hustle. Um, yeah, right. Like, like play hockey. Uh, just open up a restaurant, you know. Me and uh, me and Matt will show. We have first customers. We'll oh yeah, definitely, that. definitely. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll I'll buy everything too, and yeah, I'll right. Try it out. I'll be like yeah. a good guinea pig. Right. Yeah. Try it out. Give it a little one bite. Everyone knows the rules. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and um, it'll probably be all like at least eight point sevens or higher. Oh yeah, everything. Yeah, nine nines are above. Nines are above. Now, getting back to some hockey questions, I guess this kind of relates to the chirping aspect of it. But should fighting be allowed in college hockey? I think it should. I think it'd be cool to see the players police themselves, and um, yeah. I think it'd be great for the fans as well. But I know there's a lot of people listening that think I'm absolutely insane for thinking that way. No, yeah, like there's there's an argument for both sides. Like there's people on both ends. I mean, I just I I honestly just think it all comes down to like the cages and. Uh, if we're if they were to go half shield, then absolutely fighting should be allowed. Because I mean, like you can fight in juniors, you can fight in college, and when you get to pro hockey, I mean, there's fighting there. So, I mean, you want to basically like get ready for the next level. You want to treat everything. So if it's like if you're gonna throw a throw a big hit or you know do something stupid, you gotta kind of kind of answer the bell and step up for your actions. So I think I honestly think like wearing advisors and fighting wouldn't be the, the the worst thing in the world to come to college hockey, just because it's that's what hockey is when you after uh, for the rest of your life after that. So I mean, it's only gonna prepare you more. But yeah, I mean, wearing a cage isn't isn't too bad. It's definitely a little more protective, especially in front of the net and with sticks coming up high. But yeah, I think uh, fighting would definitely be pretty cool and definitely sell. I think some more tickets if. Uh, they would be fighting, but I don't think the NCAA would be too happy about oh, that. Oh, no, they would not like that, but I think it would be fun nonetheless. And even yeah. if there's cages allowed, just take the helmets off and go. Right, like, yeah, like take them off, like center ice, you know, everyone like circles around, so it would be yeah. pretty cool. Is it an adjustment to, like, go back to a cage after juniors? Uh, it was – I went from uh, – so I did a cage my whole life and then went visor, and now I'm wearing a, a bubble just because I think the visor is just, like – I honestly like that. So uh, it's it was a little adjustment at first, um, just seeing out of a bubble and like having the cage hang down below here out of the of the bubble. But it, I've gotten used to it. Definitely uh, like wearing the visor more. You can see kind of see everything much clearer. But no, yeah, it's been fine. I'm definitely I'm a bubble guy myself. I feel like people get sharp about it, and it makes no sense to me. You can see much better with it than the cage. Oh yeah, right. They'd be like, "Roll down your window, buddy." It's like I can't hear you, and it's like, all right, like no worries. But like, I just I just want to see, and you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't mind it. So yeah, no. The only thing that sucks is like at least for like during the beginning part of COVID, like wearing the mask with the bubble, like it would fog up so badly. So like, oh, yeah. you had to wear a cage for that. But other than that, I, I, I'm more of a bubble. I'm definitely a bubble guy. When I first tried it on, I loved it. So yeah, absolutely, especially uh, I didn't know if I was gonna like it going from uh, wearing a cage my whole life. But no, yeah, I'm uh, I'm team bubble now too. Yeah, especially the only thing that sucks about it was like youth hockey when you had to wear mouth guards. Like it's hard to put the mouth guard like in the bubble cage, but oh, it's yeah, much easier yeah. to do it with the cage. But like other than that, like it was, it, it was. I I personally prefer that. I think it's all whatever you prefer. Yeah, honestly, it's just preference. But yeah, the mouth guards like hanging in, but I'd always like keep it on the side and it would fall out, and then I'd lose it. So I'd, I'd go through a lot of mouth guards. But yeah, it was definitely easier on the on the cage getting the mouth guard in and getting a sip of water. I think it's a little easier too. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You had a cane, the mouth guard too, when he like, yeah, right. like the yeah, side yeah. or Steph Curry. It. Uh, that's how I. That's yeah, a little Steph Curry, Patty Kane. It. Yeah. Yeah, I never understood how they could do that. That's I couldn't chew on that like all day. Oh, it was oh yeah. So weird. Just all day. Yeah, it's it's weird, but you know it's a little comfortable. Now, last question, I guess, is what advice would you give someone who wants to pursue a career in college hockey? Uh, just for a kid, uh, for younger kids, honestly, just, uh, you know, just keep working hard. I know it's kind of just the same old, uh, same old saying, but, uh, truly like if you put in and put in the hours, uh, it'll pay off and, you know, just, you know, practice and preparation for everything is, is the key and, uh, you can never over prepare. So, you know, if you really put in the hours of really better, bettering yourself in all aspects from, uh, like nutrition to working out, uh, sleeping right uh doing the right exercises and then also like working on the right aspects of uh of your game like know uh like know your role basically like if you're a six six like big d man like don't try and be like a little skill guy like try to like toe drag mm-hmm. in the corners and all the tight areas so like just know your role and uh like, play to your identity and you know uh, work hard and you know, keep watching hockey keep being a student of the game and 
you know, eventually uh, you put in the hours and all the hard work and eventually you'll start to see uh, this, your game take off and the success you'll have and, and it'll be great. So, I mean, every kid, I think you should have uh, the goal to play college hockey. It's, it's an amazing experience. And so uh, it's definitely uh, really happy to fulfill my uh, lifelong dream of playing it. That's a great way to kind of end off the pod, but do you have any shout outs? Um, I know we mentioned a few people in throughout this interview, but if there's anyone you forgot to mention, feel free to shout them out. Uh, yeah, I mean, just shout out the Johns of uh, UNH Hockey. So those are just shout outs. But yeah, besides that, no, yeah, just the Johns. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Robert, for coming on the pod. I really appreciate it. It means a lot to myself. I'm, I'm obviously a big fan of you now after coming on the pod. So I'll be, um, I'm looking forward to watching you play um, in the future and hopefully see you play in person sometime soon. But take care and stay safe, man, and, and good luck uh, for the rest of the season. I know you're going to do great. Yeah, I really appreciate that, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I was happy to come on, and good luck with the rest of the podcast the rest of the way. I'll definitely uh, be following you around, and uh, hopefully we can connect soon. And, uh, yeah, you stay safe as well. And once again, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to today's interview of College Hockey Talk. If you want to check out our older interviews, make sure to do that. You can do that on the Apple Podcast page, Spotify account, or our YouTube channel where you can watch many different interviews from this podcast. Make sure you follow our social media accounts at College Hockey Talk, and I'll see you guys next time with another great interview. But until then, take care and have a great day. Bye.